Let's talk about UFC 283 again. Talked about it a little bit last night, but I'll talk about it a little bit some more. Um, I mean, what's what's so interesting about this fight is there's been a lot of there's been a lot of talk about when to stop a fight, the crowd audience, and and things like that. And you know, I didn't really dive that deep into them, but let's let's go. Let's start with you know, let, let let's start with Gilbert Burns, Neil Magny. The thing is, is like Gilbert Burns, it's so weird. You, you know, it's just so weird that this guy can't get a fight. You would think that you would think that people would line up to face him. You think you think so, but no, nobody really wants to fight him. And um, as far as now, I don't know the details of that. I don't know how true it is. You know, when it comes to you know, I don't know how how true it is when it comes to the whole deal of when it comes to the whole is Jorge Masvidal ducking him or is it the UFC? I mean, the, the the way I see it is this: there are certain fights that Gilbert Burns is not gonna get because of the politics, and what I mean by that is there's certain fighters that the UFC. There are certain fighters that the UFC is sheltering for specific fights. Um, in the case of Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal, it's pretty clear. I, I don't think the UFC is going to give them a contender. If anything, the UFC is just going to give them another big star. You know, because right now they're money makers. So the UFC wants to protect their money makers. So if anything, you know. My, a fight with Michael Chandler, Conor McGregor, you know, other big name fighters would be most likely for those two. Whereas, you know, whereas all the other contenders below Muhammad and Hamza Chamayev, you know, those are more likely to face Gilbert Burns. But, you know, it could just be maybe they just don't want to fight him. Who knows? But I don't, I, I don't think, but usually in situations when there's big stars, when there's big stars in the when it comes when it comes to fighting big stars, that's usually a tough shell to crack because of the UFC, you know, the UFC likes to protect their money makers. But all all I know is is man, Gilbert Burns needs a fight. I mean, it's either give him the title shot or give him another fight. I mean, Ultimate Fighter Kobe him Ultimate Fighter coaching against Kobe Covington would be good. Hell, doing an ultimate fire where he's coaching against Hori Masvidal would be good. I mean, it would be, it would, I mean, either way, to that, ex- to that extent, I mean, yeah, so, I, I mean, either way, coaching against either one of them would be interesting, but there's no doubt, if you wanted to talk about, like, a legit number one contender, it's clearly... Gilbert Burns or Below Muhammad, and if and if this and if there's any debate about who the number one contender is, it just happened both fight, whatever. But did, should Hamza get the title shot? I don't think so. I don't think Hamza's ready for the title shot. His fight with Gilbert Burns kind of showed he. I don't think he's ready to crack that egg, you know, just yet. But you know, crazy things have happened. Um, let's just you know, Lauren Murphy, Jessica Andrade. I mean. Jessica Andrade, you know, it's kind of weird. I I said this before, but it's weird that Jessica Andrade was ranked lower 
than was ranked higher or a bit or which what would you be able to it it was weird that Jessica Andrade was ranked number six and Lauren Murphy was ranked number three, seeing as Jessica Andrade has beaten more contenders. You know, Kaylin Cohagian and um then of course yeah, it's of course one fifteen. She was in a different weight class and she beat it Amanda Ramos. I mean the truth the truth of the matter is, I mean Either way, she deserves a title shot. I mean, a lot of people are wondering why she's bouncing up different weight classes, and, and it's pretty obvious why she's bouncing up in different weight classes. You know, she she's trying to get a fight. She's For one, she's trying to stay active. Number two, she wants a title shot. She wants a title shot. She wants to fight whoever is the champion. She even said after her win against Lauren Murphy, I want to fight you know, Zhang Wei Li for the title, you know, she, she wants, she wants to fight, she wants to rematch Rose, she wants to rematch Valentina, she wants to rematch Zhang Wei Li, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it makes sense, and she's going around, and the reason why she's bouncing between divisions is because she wants to get that title, and she's taking out whoever it is to take out that's in her way, and I mean, that's smart, you know, that, that, that's smart, you know, just, just keep bouncing back and forth between weight classes, taking out contenders until they can't deny you anymore. Just keep knocking people down until they can't deny you anymore. You know, that's how Max Holloway did it. You know, that's how he got the third fight. Just He just knocked guys down until – he just knocked guys down until they couldn't deny him. And that's exactly what you know. Um, that's a, and that's exactly what Jessica Andrade is doing. She's just knocking down contenders until she gets a title shot, whether it's against Zhang Wei Li or against you know Valentina Shevchenko. Well, Alexis Lagrasso is already is already going to fight Valentina Shevchenko. So if anything, the obvious choice would be for Jessica Andrade to fight Zhang Wei Li. It only makes sense. I mean, she beat, like I said, she beat Amanda Ramos, Limos with, you know, who was a top contender. Some argued the number one contender, and she beat her pretty easily. I mean, I mean, she's earned her shot. Like, I know she's had, mm, I would say, I know, I think she's had like three, I, like, I know she's fought for a title probably she's fought for a title at least four times she's fought against yeah she fought for like i know she fought for a title four times you know she fought against joanna she fought against rose she fought against zhang wei li she you know valentina and all those times all of those title fights she's only won one and i and i understand you know she's fought for a title four times but look at the end of the day if 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 she's winning if she's beating the best, she she's beating valid contenders. You got to give her a title shot, even if it is her fifth title, even if even if it's her fifth title fight. Who cares? She's beating everybody. She's fighting who she needs to fight, and she's getting better. That's the thing. She's not plateauing. You could see it. She's getting very better. She's getting more technically sound. She's utilize. She's throwing combinations. The way she's pacing herself and the way she's, you know, walking down her opponents and managing distance. I mean, absolutely. I mean, she's definitely going to be a problem for whoever she fights later down the line. I mean. It's pretty obvious. It's either give her the title shot against Sangway Lee or have her rematch Rose. I mean, she's, I mean, a trilogy fight makes sense seeing as 
you know, Jessica Andrade beat her the first fight and Rose barely won the second, it only makes sense. I mean, it only makes sense. I mean... I mean, it only makes sense, you know, give her a fight against Rose or have her fight Zhang Wei Li. I mean, she's beating contenders, and I know it's like, like I said, I know she's jumping in between, she's jumping back and forth between, I know she's, she's going back and forth between two weight classes, but I mean, she, she, what, it's like kind of like, what else is she supposed to do? I mean, they're they're not giving her the fights that she wants and you know and sh they're not giving her the fights that she wants so you might as well just they just keep jumping back and forth and knocking down contenders knocking down whoever they put in front of you until you get that opportunity so it it makes sense what she's doing and it's smart because it's keeping her active so on top of that so That's something that makes it makes sense what she's doing. So, for Jessica, like I said, for Jessica Andrade, it's just obvious. Just go, just go down. Just, I mean, they gotta give her, give her the shot against Zhang Wei Li, or give her the trilogy fight against Rose. One of the two. I, I think it's only fair because Valentina is already fighting Alexis Agrasso. You know, so that fight's already booked, and I'm pretty sure Jessica Andrade doesn't want to spend a whole year waiting because. The reality is they might they because the reality is if Valentina wins and Amanda Nunes wins, who's fighting uh, Adriana Aldano, if I'm pronouncing the name correctly. I mean, there's a good chance that that super fight might happen, you know, that that, that super fight might just happen, you know, so that that's the, that's the thing. So. It only makes sense for Jessica Andrade to pursue the Zhang Wei Li fight or pursue the Rose fight. But if they're not giving her that, then just keep doing what you're doing, knocking them down until they can't deny you. And, you know, Jessica Andrade's doing just that. For Lauren Murphy, I mean, Lauren Murphy, it's just, she really needs, I mean, for Lauren Murphy, you have to understand Lauren Murphy is a very experienced fighter, but a lot of her approach relies on her physical physicality. And when she fought somebody in Jessica Andrade, who's more, you know, who's more, I mean, she needs to, She needs to reassess her game. I mean, I think she really needs to reassess her game, reassess her approach. Also, I, I think I think she really needs to reassess her game. She she definitely has a lot to she you know, I mean, like I said, she has she does have I mean, she has a wealth of experience, but she doesn't necessarily use it, you know. What people seem to forget is the reason why she won that Misha Tate fight was because Misha Tate had back to back camps. Because they were supposed to fight one time before that, and she pulled out last minute on the day of the weigh-ins. And then they fought again, so Misha Tate had to make weight twice, do back-to-back -back camps. So that was something that, unfortunately, 
you know, that was was very overlooked. And, you know, like I said, Lauren Murphy, her physical, she relies on her physical abilities. She doesn't really have her. She has experience, but she doesn't utilize it like she should. Um, I mean, and that's something, you know, another thing I think I think she needs to reevaluate her corner. I remember listening to Josh Thompson talk about it on his breakdown he says he needs to she needs to reevaluate her corner she needs to you know have a discussion with her corner to get it together or she needs to just find a whole new corner because one of the people in her corner is her husband which is something very interesting that that that, that is something to think about you know that is something to think about that is something to think about something to consider get you know when you have somebody close to you in your corner there's a good chance that they might not be there's a good there's a good chance that they might not be as honest as they should so so i don't i so yeah um so yeah there's there's a lot you know for Lauren Murphy i mean She's considered a top contender at 125, so I mean, it's not a bad spot. She's not in a. She's not well. Technically, she's not in a bad spot. She's probably dropped down to number four, you know, seeing as Jessica Andrade beat her. So Jessica Andrade's number three, um, and like I said, Jessica Andrade beat Amanda Ramos, just you know, in the 115 pound division, who was considered the number one contender or the next top contender. So. Definitely, she has to be at least, if not the number one, she has to be the number two in the 115-pound division since Amanda Ramos was considered the number one, if not one of the top contenders to challenge for the title. So with that, she should be the number one, if not the number two. And of course, 125, number three. So like I said, and, you know, like I said, you know, Jessica, you know, Lauren Murphy's not so just so with that being said, Lauren Murphy probably dropped down to drop down to probably number four, maybe five. But at the end of the day, rankings don't really mean shit. So but Lauren Murphy could come back. She could come in. She could beat probably, a, a, you know, a rising contender, somebody who stylistically matches up with her and, you know, get back on the horse. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But Definitely, she took a beating in that fight, and if I was her, I would take some time off, take a couple months off, you know, just, just honestly, just take half the year off, that would be my suggestion, yeah, so, whew, so with that being said, Brandon Moreno versus Davison Figueroa, I mean, going back to what I said in this fight, I said, Davidson Figueroa, the two concerning things are going to be the weight cut and most important of all, you know, most important of all, the mentality. And something that Josh Thompson and uh, Big John McCarthy pointed out on their podcast was, and I didn't know this because I wasn't really watching interviews, but one of the interviews, they asked him why he left Henry Cejudo. And he said it's because he felt lonely. And that right there, and that right there proves my point. In what I said earlier, you know, in what I said earlier, when a fighter makes a huge leap forward and then makes a huge leap back, you know, Eye of the Tiger, like was was described with Rocky, you know, as described with Rocky, he was training in comfort. He was training in the comfort of his own home and his own bubble 
So he didn't, you know, the ability to push that dog, that, that, you know, the ability to push himself, that fire to have that dog in you. And it's just, he, it wasn't there, which is why you saw him trying to instigate Brandon Moreno and push him and get him to get emotional because deep down he, he was scared. He, he was scared. He wasn't mentally, he, he wasn't mentally there given the fact that Brandon Moreno was in his head. And number two, he didn't have the eye of the tiger, you know, because he was training in comfort. And as Josh Thompson pointed out, like I said, if you're like, if you're tra- this is a big fight. And if you know, this fight is the end all be all, why leave the place that gave you the best improvement? And it was clear that him training at Henry Cejudo's gave him the best improvement. But as I said, when a fighter makes a big leap forward and then takes a big leap back, that usually means their end game was just whatever it was. And as I said before, his end game was to retake the title and avenge the loss to Brandon Moreno. That's what it was. That's all he cared about. And once he once he got, you know, that's that's all he cared about. And once he got the title and avenged his loss, what did he do? He went right back into comfort, you know. So, yeah. And um you know, with 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 that and and that's the thing with with Davison, it's just and and that's the thing to consider. You know, when, like I said, when a fighter makes a huge leap forward and a huge leap back, that's very concerning. And it was confirmed when Josh Thompson mentioned that interview. And I was, and that was something that stuck out to me. That was like, I mean, it, 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 you know, and that's all it really was. His, his whole point of training with Sir Henry Cejudo was to get the title back and avenge the loss. Once he did that, his motivation was gone. His motivation was completely gone. The, you can see it. The fact that he chose to go back to his gym, the fact that he said that, that he didn't, you know, that he felt lonely and, you know, it's just especially leading up to one of the biggest fights of his career. It just it just tells you right there that mentally he checked out. The hunger was gone. Can he, you know, can he come back and have that same hunger at 135? Probably, probably. But you have to, what people have to understand is, even though he, he may, like, what people have to understand is, even though, even though it's a new weight class and he won't be affected by the weight cut, you still have to understand mentally he is fractured. Brandon Moreno made him feel vulnerable he, for the first time in his career. And that's going to carry with him. Through, through his through his time at 135 can he rebuild and evolve yes he can but usually when you have fighters who are so who are so used to just being dominant and never taking any who are just used to being so dominant and so just and just walking through everyone they they once they get that moment of vulnerability once they get once they have that feeling of being vulnerable it, they they never check out. They never grow out of it because 
they're they're so used to being the unstoppable force you know they're not used to feeling human you know it's like it's like you know like batman and superman he's like what was you know what was the most shocking thing that what what was the most shocking thing that you know, that's ever happened to Superman was the feeling of being human, you know, and that's what Batman did when they fought in the Dark Knight, in the Dark Knight series, in the Dark Knight comic book, Dark Knight Returns, sorry, but that, but that's, and that's pretty much what happens to fighters, you know, fighters who are so used to just walking through everybody is they're not the same, they mentally can't, they're they're mentally not the same, they mentally can't come back, they could they come back possible but it's so it's it's just not probable is it possible yes probable no the probability of a fighter who's who a probable the probability of a fighter like davidson figueroa coming back strong and you know better than ever is rare it is very rare um the other thing you also have to understand is is you know his power, his power, you, you also have to understand his power. His power was good against the smaller guys. But the question is, is how is his power going to be against the bigger guys at 135? How is his power going to fare, you know? And you have to understand, too, is the guys at 135 can crack. Chito Vera can crack. Peter Yan can crack, you know? Jose, you know, Corey Sanhagen can crack. Hell, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Aljamain Sterling hits him hard with some shots, you know? I wouldn't be, be surprised if Aljamain Sterling cracks him with some hard shots, you know? There's guys at 135 that can crack, and they're fast on top of that, and they're fast, and they're durable, you know? It's not like where, you know, when he fought at 125, he was able to just overpower and overwhelm guys, you know, because no one was able to really hurt him you know, all that much, but, you know, so, so 135, it's going to be different. Um, like I said, you know, so, and you have to understand his style is very wide. He throws a lot of big shots, a lot of wild shots, you know, comes from odd angles because, you know, he's got that, he's got a long frame. So that's the other thing to consider. And like I said, losing weight or gaining weight, it always affects your style and your cardio. And given the fact that he likes to throw everything in the, in the kitchen sink at you, you know, that may affect him more than, you know, that may affect him more, you know, at 135, that may be more of a detriment to him at 135 than it was at 125. So, I mean, it's, you know, him going up to 135, it's a good thing, but I don't know it, but it, it's a good thing, but I don't think it's going to be a great thing. You know, I don't think it's going to be an all around great thing. And like I said, I mean, yes, he hired a nutritionist that works with the Pitbull brothers, but as I said, he, like I said, it was a, he did not, it, he did not look good on the scale. You know, everybody kept saying that he looked good. He didn't look good. You look at his face, you look at all the muscle loss, both before and after the weigh-ins, both, no, I'm sorry, both during and after the weigh-ins, like, it was clear that he lost, it was clear that that weight cut affected him, even on the day of the fight, you can see the muscle loss, because that, that was something that I remember reading the comments of a post 
on Instagram. They said that. They said, it's only Wednesday and he's looking that shredded. If you're that shredded and it's and it's only Wednesday, guess what's gonna happen? You like, guess what's gonna happen? You're not gonna you're gonna lose all that muscle that you have, all that water, all those nutrients. That's the next thing to go. And that's exactly what happened. So I don't, that's exactly what happened. So there's going to be a lot of questions going in for Davidson Figueroa going into 135. I mean, of course, they're going to give him a contender. They're going to give him a, of course, they're going to give him a contender. They're going to give him somebody tough, which makes sense. I mean, but the question is, you know, you know, will this be an evolution or will this, will this be a downfall? And I mean, like I said, is it possible? Yes. Probable? No. So we got to, you know, we have to, we'll see what happens. As for Brandon Moreno, I mean, 125 is stacked with talent. It's just, unfortunately, there's no big names. And, but Brandon Moreno can be possibly a big name and he can help the UFC get into a, tap into the market that they've been trying to tap into for a long time, which is the Mexican market. They tried with Kane. It didn't work out because of, Kane and injuries. Brandon Moreno is the next one. I remember going to Buffalo Wild Wings and I remember just seeing so many Mexican people just there to watch Brandon Moreno fight. They didn't care about the fights before. They didn't care about the main event. They just wanted to see Brandon Moreno fight. That was it. You know, and once Brandon Moreno won, they all left. But but that just goes to show you the impact that Brandon Moreno has on the Hispanic community and the UFC has been trying to tap into those markets, those specific markets, which is the Hispanic community, for example. So being, being one of them. So definitely. And if Brandon Moreno continues to win, he can, you know, he can definitely, you know, he can definitely, if he continues to win, he can definitely become a, he can definitely become a big star. I mean, he's got a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fights on the horizon. You know, he's got a lot of fights, tough fights, but if he keeps improving and he keeps staying focused, the thing that I, the one thing that I said was the problem, the reason why Brandon Moreno lost to Davidson Figueroa in the third fight was because he didn't, he learned the lesson, he didn't realize that it's much, there's a huge difference between winning the title and defending the title. And... I don't think he just didn't under, he didn't, he did. And that was a lesson that unfortunately he learned the hard way that most guys, that a lot of guys learn, you know, that was a lesson that he unfortunately learned the hard way. And so going into this fourth fight, like I said, he, you know, he now knows that defending the title is a lot harder than winning the title. So he's going to be more serious when he defends it. You know, he, he's learned his lesson. So now he's ready to reclaim and defend. Versus back then, you know, back then, you know, he, you know, he just, he obviously didn't, he didn't know, he just obviously didn't learn that lesson of, he obviously didn't learn that lesson. Oh, I'm sorry, where, where it's obvious that, you know, he didn't really learn, he didn't learn or know that lesson, you know, going into that third fight. So that was a lesson that he learned, you know. You know, going after that third fight, that it's different defending your title than, you know, winning the title, which, like I said, so he took so he took it a lot more seriously. And I think that's what's going to happen is now that he knows now that he learned that lesson of, you know, 
you know, defending your title is different from winning the title, he's going to do a lot better. You know, he's always improving. It's clear that he's improving. I mean, you see him in, in each fight, in these past fights with Davis and Figueroa, even the Kai Kawa France fight, like he is improving dramatically. And if he keeps improving, he keeps stepping his game up. He, without a doubt, can he can be a big star and be one of the best, one of the top champions in the lighter weight classes. One of no doubt. It's just, you know, it's just a matter of him, you know, it's just a matter of him putting it together and just constantly being in a state of flow as Miyamatu Musashi, like uh, being in a state of flow, like Miyamato Musashi would say, you know, no matter what, always be in a constant state of motion, never stop flowing, you know, so, and that's what Brandon Moreno is doing. And that's why one of the reasons why Brandon Moreno looked more improved and then Davison Figueroa, because he, you know, because he never stopped flowing, he never stopped being in motion. So, that's one that, that's a yeah so that's something to consider you know like i said he he learned the lesson it's he learned the lesson that so many fighters on he, he learned the lesson that so many fighters learn the hard way you know and usually they never come back is that there's a difference between defending the title versus winning the title and that he, he learned that lesson he's ready to defend i truly believe that so uh, um i mean glover to share jamal hill Jamal Hill stepped his game up. I mean, my God, he stepped his fucking game up. And I never seen anybody. I mean, everything that I said in my breakdown, he did. Stick and move, stick and move. He puts you up against the fence, circle off, attack and circle off. Don't try to grapple. Don't waste your time defending. Just immediately hit him with shots, circle out. Hit him with shots, circle out. Don't don't waste your time defending. You either attack or you get out. And even on the ground, you know, and, and the only time he got taken down was when, and the only time he was taken down was when, Glover was was when he when he would sit on the cage whenever he would settle down and lock his whenever he would settle down and lock his feet whether it be up he would that's when he would get taken down and it but when he was always moving when he was constantly circling constantly being active Glover had a Glover couldn't take him down so that was that was and that's exactly what he did and when he got taken down he did such a great job of just staying calm being active, not just not being complacent, not freaking out and getting up as first as soon as the first chance he got is just getting right on up. He fought a perfect fight. I mean, he really stepped his game up and he showed. And I mean, if and against Glover of all people in Brazil. So without a doubt, he is without a doubt, without a doubt, he has he's he shows that he can rise to the occasion. You know, he showed his potential that he showed his potential that night. He showed that he can rise to the top, that he can rise. He can rise if he's called to rise. And that's amazing. So, I mean, who for him to fight next? I mean, Yuri ain't going to be ready until the end of the year. So it's obvious it's either Jan or Ankalaev. 
but there's a good chance that the UFC might make a rematch and then have Jamal fight the winner of that sometime in the summer. Because you know the summer cards are where they stack, and you know the end of the year cards, November, December, is where the UFC wants to stack. So if anything, they'll probably make Ankalaev and Jan Blakovich rematch, and then the winner of that fights Jamal Hill. If not, they'll probably give him... They'll either give him Jan or Ankalaev, but without a doubt, I mean, Jamal Hill impressed me. I mean, he stepped his game up so in so many ways. I mean, this this is probably he's he's he had he showed that he has the potential to be one of those guys that's a diamond in the rough, literally. Because when he came onto the scene, he was only known as this big finisher that's wild and goes for the kill. But this fight, he showed that he can rise to the occasion and be and be a professional and fight like a true professional. And he did. He absolutely did. You know, um, as for Glover, I mean, man, you know, it's it's an incredible career. And it was such an incredible career. I mean, the one thing that you can't say is that Glover didn't win the UFC title. You know, not a lot of guys who are in Glover's, not a lot of guys who are in Glover's position are able to say, at least I won the title. Glover won the title. So at least he, at least he has that under his belt. No one could take that away from him. No one could take that moment of him winning the UFC title after such, after such a long journey, you know, of just constant wars, constant battles from being knocked out to beaten down to coming back and going on a win streak. And would I have loved to see him rematch Yuri? Because I mean, I truly believe he would have won that fight if he hadn't gone to the ground, you know, but it is what it is. It is what it is. And I, and I honestly think Glover probably would have won the second match. I, I think he would have won, you know, given, when looking at the looking at the previous fight, given given Glover's style and just looking at the previous fight and everything, but unfortunately, the MMA gods decided otherwise. To decided otherwise, and you know what, Glover had a hell of a career. He fought the best. He beat the best. He deserves. I mean, all the respect and admiration. And what's really unfortunate is. Which leads me to the next topic. I mean, what's really unfortunate is just, well, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get to that subject in a moment. My, if I want to talk about my favorite Glover moments, and, I would, and I'm going to do a piece on the fighters that have passed and retired because, you know, we had a lot of, you know, we had a lot of bittersweet moments, you know, this past year. And I think it's only fair to do a podcast where I make a tribute to the fighters who are retired or long gone. And I think it's only fair to just make a segment, you know, about them. And so I'm going to watch their fights and look at all the fights that, you know, I'm going to watch the fights, look at the fights that, you know, impress me the most or the fights that stick out. Um... But uh, in but the thing is, is like, but with Glover, my favorite Glover moment had to had to be, you know, what was what was my what was my favorite Glover moment? I would have to say my favorite Glover moment was 
it was UFC in Brazil, 20, I would say 2012. And he fought an opponent who he finished. And it was right in front of Mike Tyson. I remember he saying, I just fought... I just fought in front of Mike Tyson. I just finished in front of Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson was one of his was one of his idols. You know, he talks about how Mike Tyson was his idol and was such a huge inspiration to him. And and I just remember that moment seeing him and Mike Tyson and you know Mike Tyson giving him praise. And it was just it was such a it was such a great experience. I mean, just seeing the joy in his face was, I mean it was heartwarming because it was genuine. Usually fighters are happy. It's kind of, it it sometimes feels a little robotic, but in his case, you can, it was like, it was like a kid. It was like, you know, it's like a kid meeting your hero for the first time. And I mean, you know, imagine it's like, it's like a kid playing basketball in front of Michael Jordan for the first time. Imagine, you know, imagine having that feeling of someone who's a legend, you know, performing in front of you, you know, performing in front of a legend, you know, it's just, it's, it's such an amazing feeling, you know, it's, it's such an amazing feeling to know that someone you looked up to is watching you perform, you know, when you've watched them perform, you know, for so long, you know, um, it was such a genuine feeling and it was such a, it was such a happy moment seeing that, uh, I mean, it just made me, it just, I mean, it was such a, it was such a happy thing to see. It was such a happy moment seeing that. And I really enjoyed that. Um, another Glover moment, I would have to say, uh, what really impressed me was when he fought Rampage. I mean, I thought Rampage would give him some problems because Rampage has power. He's a, he's a strong guy, big guy, and he'll, you know, he'll walk forward, but he marched rampage down which surprised the hell out of me march rampage down and beat him for three rounds and i mean it it really impressed the shit out of me i never thought that he was gonna do that you know i thought at least it would be a battle but he he marched him down with heavy hooks left right uppercut it was just it was a beautiful it was a beautiful fight just walked him down and rampage doesn't really get walked down that easy so yeah, those are probably my two big Glover moments, you know, it's just, those are my big Glover moments that I enjoyed, but, uh, so on to the next subject, the crowd in Brazil, I mean, um, absolutely, positively ridiculous, I mean, for for people that are supposed to be so respectful to the people that they enjoy. Oh, yeah. Also, by the way, I'm going to also in- contribute that to Shogun because Shogun retired that night. He lost his fight, but, uh, you know, but he lost his fight. But I'm going to I'm going to do a tribute and part of that tribute as well. But either way. So the point being is, is it was just so, you know, it was so bothersome because Brandon Moreno did nothing wrong. And the fans were, you know, first, you know, and it started with that. The fans were so upset because they thought that Brandon Moreno poked Figueroa in the eye when the replay clearly showed that he wasn't poked in the eye and it was a clean shot. But the fans were still pissed and they were booing him every step of the way, throwing popcorn, throwing whatever liquid on him. And it was really it was really sad. It was really sad because, you know, he showed nothing but respect 
And, you know, Figueroa showed respect as well. So you would think the fans would see that and take that in kindly. And, you know, and this is also something that's going to be in one of my favorite Glover moments. Because Glover, after the fight, said, I saw what you guys did after the last fight. Don't do that to this guy. Show him some respect. He won the fight. You know, he won the fight. Give him his, you know, he's the champ. Respect him, guys. Don't do that. That's not right. And I love that. I love that Glover did that. And that just goes to show you how honorable Glover is. And that's just that that just goes to show you how honorable Glover is. Because most fighters would just let that happen and wouldn't most guys in general would let that happen and they won't say anything. But Glover is He's not a fighter. He is a martial artist. And that is something you can tell. Like, because only a martial artist will do something like that in letting the fans know, hey, what you did was not right. You can't do that. Don't do that to him. In fact, I'm going to walk with him back to his locker room so you guys don't do that. And And it was just such an amazing feeling. And it was such an amazing thing to see because, you know, especially now with... Because nowadays, unfortunately, the whole arrogant bastard, you know, persona is being portrayed and liked more than the the respectful martial artist, you know, and it's really unfortunate. But I'm glad that Glover took the stand despite suffering a devastating loss, you know, and 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 this is what was so disappointing. And this is why the moment was so bittersweet, because the fans had walked out. The fans literally walked out of the arena and out of the arena. And it was just so sad because, you know, Brazil is supposed to always love their guys and, you know, be supported through thick and thin. But as soon as Glover, but as soon as it got to the end of the fight, as soon as it got to the end of the fight, people walked out. People were literally walking out throughout the entirety of the throughout the entirety of the fight after that second after that Brandon Moreno, Davidson Figueroa fight. And it was so disappointing. It was so disappointing in the fans. And I mean, you have people. Like right now, you have people saying things like, you know, you know, Kobe was right. You know, Kobe is right. Blase, blase, blase. But I. I it's not that Kobe's right. It's just, it's not that Kobe's right. It's just, unfortunately, MMA fans, today's generation of MMA fans, whether, no matter what country you're in, no matter what place you're in, unfortunately, are a bunch of assholes. <laughs> that just, it's not, it's just, that's, that's today's generation of MMA fans. You know, they're just, you know, today's generation of MMA fans are just assholes. Regardless, you go to Brazil, you go to America, you go to London. Unfortunately, MMA fans, this generation's of, this generation of MMA fans are filled with assholes. Because I guarantee you, the same thing would happen even in America. So, you know, and I wouldn't. And actually, I think it happens. I think it. I think it did happen in America a couple times. I mean, you you would experience the same thing even in Canada. So it's not necessarily that you know Kobe is right about Brazil it's just 
that just goes to show you today's generation of MMA fans. It's just filled with a bunch of assholes who, who, you know, can't get, who are just, you know, just a bunch of assholes. Yeah. So someone actually this guy on MMA history today, he has an Instagram and that's what his Instagram is called. Follow him. MMA history today. There's no spaces in that title, but, um, he actually made a post where he said, it's unfortunate that Glover Teixeira announces retirement in front of an empty arena. The crowd left the building before he made his post-fight speech. Glover deserved a standing ovation, not crickets. Absolutely. That just sums up the night right there. The Brazilian crowd, his own people should have, they should have stayed and giving him the standing ovation because he didn't quit. He didn't go out like a bitch. He fought to the very end. He went out like a warrior and he deserved that standing ovation from his people. But the fact that his own people walked out, turned their back on him and walked out like that just goes, it, it just tells you right now that even if it, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if. It, it doesn't matter if the people, just because you and a group of people are the same race, doesn't mean you're not on, doesn't mean you're on the same side. Doesn't mean they won't turn your back on, don't, doesn't mean they won't turn, turn their back on you. This is a lesson that, unfortunately, something that, I hate to say it, black people for some reason haven't learned and they still can't accept. And even I've even people of other races, even, you know, other races haven't seemed to learn or haven't seemed to learn or accept because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if they look like you, doesn't matter if you come from the same heritage, people are people and, you know, you know, and they'll turn on you first chance they get when seeing the opportunity. I mean, and and that's just what's so bittersweet about this because he deserved that moment. He deserved the standing ovation for giving everything that he had, only for his people to to leave the arena and abandon him like that. And honestly, that's just sad. And I'm not gonna lie. I mean, you I lost respect for MMA fans. You know, I, I've. You know, I've I've been losing respect for them for a while, but I've definitely lost a lot of respect for them, especially out there in Brazil. So, especially out there in Brazil. So, uh, somebody posted, supporting a man at his highest but never at his lowest equals L crowd. That is true. You know that that's true. And somebody else posted, I wouldn't be mad if they never want to, if they never want to do Brazil again. I understand that that's not realistic with the history there and with how many fighters they have are Brazilian, but the city and country doesn't deserve another MMA event. I, I, I agree. I think, you know, if an area, a country, a state does something terrible like that, you know, abandoning, you know, leaving the arena, you know, not and not giving a fighter his just due you know, not giving a fighter his his flowers who laid it all out there on who laid it all out there, you know, who put it all on the line like Glover did. Yeah, I don't think you should really <laughs> I don't think you should really go back. It's not realistic, but, you know, it would be nice to see, you know, them reap the consequences of that because that was terrible what they did.
You know, somebody asked, I wonder if Brazilian fighters will be so eager to fight on a Brazilian card again. You want to fight in your country because you'll have the crowd standing for you. Not in this case. That's true. You know, I mean, that's true. I mean, you want to fight in a place where the crowd stands with you, but if they're so quick to abandon one of their own like that, what makes you think they won't do the same thing to you? You know, somebody said total disrespect should have retired in the U.S. with people cheering and applauding him as his achievements. No wonder why Aldo chose not to do a final fight in Brazil. People just don't care if they're not on top. That is true. Yeah, that is true. People don't care if you're not on top. I mean, now I don't think that's why Aldo chose not to fight in Brazil. But, you know, I and yeah, it is, you know, it is actually... Yeah, it is quite possible that he would have gotten that standing ovation and he would have gotten that respect from if they had the fight in the U.S. But then again, there's also the possibility that the same thing happened, too. And that's what I'm saying. That's why it's like it's not necessarily the country, but it's just it just shows you how people in general act, how people in general act and how MMA fans, this today's generation of MMA fans act, you know, but I, I do see their point. I mean, I, I do see their point. Someone posted, I will always appreciate what Brazil and the fighters have done for MMA, but the crowd did not deserve the show they were given last night. Last night, man, compare this to the Paris crowd and it's shocking. I mean, true. I mean, that that's true. Somebody said Paris would have treated Glover better than his own country. shaking my fucking head. I mean, it's understandable why they left. But you can't you can't use the excuse of it was late. And, you know, their two champions, their two champions lost or were had lost. Like it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You stay until the very end. You know, that that it's all it's I mean, it's it's only but respectful, especially for someone like Glover who fought his fucking ass off. You know, the least you can do is stay to the very end and give him that standing ovation. You know, I mean. So it, it's just it's disappointing. Like I said, it's just it's such disappointing coming from these fans from the, from the fans. I mean, I don't know. It's just. Someone keeps saying 3 a.m. in Brazil. Most people that go to go to watch are not even fans. They're just going to the event because it's near their house. That's not an excuse, dude. Once again, someone keep this other person, someone saying Brazil is classless. I don't agree with that. But this person keeps, but this other person keeps using the whole 3 a.m. in Brazil. That's not an excuse to be a douchebag, man. That's not an excuse to throw shit at people. And that's not an excuse to completely abandon your hometown, your hometown fighter, you know, when he's, when he's announcing his retirement and does, you know, when he's announcing his retirement, you know, and deserves, you know, and deserves a, a standing ovation for putting his heart and soul out there and calling it a day. Like, I mean, it's just, but once again, this, this tells you exactly the state of today's, the, of the state, this today's MMA generation. That's just, that just tells you how it is.
you know, with today's MMA, this generation of MMA fans. That just tells you right there. This th- Today's generation of MMA fans are always making excuses for classless behavior. You know, as we saw with the Kobe Covington, Jorge Masvidal. You know, Kobe Covington instigated the, the situation with Jorge Masvidal. He clearly said in the post-fight speech, the beef is not done. When I see him, it's on site. He literally said that after he won the fight. You won the fucking fight. Why say that? But because, you know, but because, you know, Kobe, you know, exhibits what someone called classless behavior, people appreciate that more than, you know, somebody initiating the consequences for the classless behavior. So, and they make excuses for it. And that's what we're seeing with this, you know, people making excuses for the classless, classless behavior. Oh, it's 3 a.m. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't give you right to be disrespectful to Moreno, and it doesn't give you right to be disrespectful to Glover Teixeira. You stay to the very end. You clap. You show him respect. You know, you give him that standing ovation that he deserves. Simple as that. No excuse. And that's just the truth, regardless. And um, overall, I mean, overall, that's what I got. To, that's all I got to say about that. You know, um, that's part two of. My thoughts of UFC 283, Um, I think there was a one championship fight that happened Friday. I didn't catch it, but I am going to watch that um, and do a breakdown of that. And then February 5th, of course, Fedor is fighting. It's his final fight. Hopefully he, you know, wins and retires on a high note. We'll see. And there it is. So thank you guys for listening.